Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There is no better group of parts of power Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to answer some of your gardening queries. Later, I'll be joined by Noam Morris from one of the best UK gardening blogs out there, The Dahlia Papers. This week, we'll be wetting your appetite with some kale, sweet peas and Chaz and Dave's Brussels sprouts. Our thanks to... To Mr. Fothergill's Seeds, our sponsor for this week. I always find it uh, interesting when I'm watching uh, programmes on the television and listening to those that are broadcast uh, on all kinds of subjects. For example, on the Countryside programme on the Sunday evenings, recently uh, they were walking through trials with a, a new variety of ornamental kale. There's one with uh, pink and white leaves and another one with green and white. Uh, The seed's going to be offered, I think, this year as uh, a variety called Duo Mix. Now, we've had ornamental cabbages and ornamental kales for years, but the breeders have been really working on them and they've improved the flavour. So we now have ornamental kales uh, that we can use in containers to decorate and eat them at the same time. Sometimes... uh, I get a bit questioning. There was a listener asking about sweet peas recently and I just wondered whether the panellists had actually grown sweet peas. My sweet peas I like to get sown in October and outside in the ground as soon as possible because if you notice when you grow sweet peas in pots they'll have quite a strong root that goes round and round the base of the pot. Now if you sow it straight in the open ground in the autumn those roots go straight down. And then when the weather gets a bit hot and dry in May and June, the sweet peas have got that uh, tremendous depth of root to pull back moisture. At this time of the year, if they're getting a bit tall and straggly, you need to pinch the tops out. They're much better if they've grown on from side shoots. And if those side shoots get too tall, you can even pinch them a second time. The interesting thing is that if you leave sweet peas to grow on that first original shoot straight up, quite often they will go blind when they get to about four or five feet. Presumably that's nature's way of making sure that they do become basal branched and have far more stems to carry flowers and seeds. One job that I have been doing undercover when the the weather was reasonably mild is to transplant lettuce seedlings. I always like to grow some winter gem lettuce. It's a fairly new variety. It's like little gem but much hardier and if you uh, followed our earlier advice and sowed seeds in October then you'll have some nice little seedlings that can go out under a cold frame or a cold greenhouse. Doesn't need any heat but does need a bit of protection. And I shall probably plant mine in amongst some autumn onion sets because the lettuce will be cut uh, and eaten 
before the onions need all their space. I'm joined on the phone now by a garden designer and writer. Her blog, The Dahlia Papers, was nominated for Blog of the Year at the Garden Media Guild Awards this year. It's Non Morris. Hello, Non. Hi, Peter. Hi. <laughs> what a day that was, eh, at the Savoy? No, it was a great. It felt it felt very strange to to see your gardening friends actually sort of wearing you know suits and and smart dresses and things you know when normally you're seeing them looking a bit rougher. But, uh... <laughs> you can say that again. Yeah. <laughs> now, can you tell me a bit about uh, the blog? You know, I'm completely new to this field. So yeah. How did you get started? Um, I got started. I actually went on a on a two day course for bloggers, which was which was very helpful and. Um, it, I think once you also invested a bit of a bit of money, it just meant that I I, I was determined to get going, and um, I wanted to have a way of of writing something that was very personal, really. So I have a lot of freedom in my my blog. I write for magazines about gardens, but I have to stick very closely to a sort of script, really. And this way, I can, if I want to talk about a recipe or a book I've read or an art exhibition, but linking it in. So I, I wrote about um, Edmund Duval, who is now a very well-known potter and, and writer, um, who had started working with porcelain, and he'd just written a book about um, called The White Road, which is about working with porcelain. And I wrote about the white garden at Sissinghurst in the same piece. Yes. And um, I got going because I wanted to sort of show people you know, what's going on in, in my head. But your background is more in sort of art, history and film, isn't it? It was. I did a degree in art history and then I worked in, in the film industry. But I think I've always thought that being... Um, I've always wanted to work in, in visual things and certainly for my garden design work, actually kind of producing something and sticking to a budget and, and keeping, a you know, having an idea and then and then delivering it as a, as a yeah. as a as a real thing at the end um that you know that's that seems to work in fact my partner also who i met we met when we were studying um uh, we did diplomas in horticulture and and plantsmanship and we met um, when we were studying but we had both in fact worked unbeknownst to each other in television before and that yeah. seems to work quite well well i can say snap with that you know I'll, yes I'll, I'll, exactly i met my wife at Turk. College studying horticulture, oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm very interested too about the recent blog on symbidiums yeah. and and McBeans. My connection with McBeans goes back a long oh, way. Oh, really? A fellow called Ray Bilton, who I think uh, his father was a coal miner in Durham, right. was down uh, with McBeans. Well, now I'm talking the seventies, I suppose. Yeah. Building big displays at Chelsea and. Uh, the RHS halls. Well, what was very interesting, I went to McBean, so it's a you know incredibly sort of old and and as you say, venerable nursery. I think they've won over eighty gold medals at Chelsea. They, I think they've missed a couple of the since uh, the Chelsea Flower Show started in its current place in 1913. They missed a couple sort of in in between the wars, but they've just always been there, and um, they've got new owners. So this very feisty. Um, young woman called Rose Armstrong was a sort of regular customer and um, had, had, has got another business which is a, a petrol station and she's quite an unlikely petrol station owner and anyway she went on a Saturday morning to buy some orchids as a present and realised that the, the company was it was just you know it was going to be sold and it was there was no buyer and and she just you know almost burst into tears and wanted to save it so she is 
incredibly passionate about it. I think the head nurseryman is called Jim Durrant and has been there for um, uh, 40 years. Yeah. So she said that, you know, that you've got the expertise, you've got this amazing name, they've got this incredible stock that they're breeding from, and um, she's going to do whatever she can to, you know, make us all have McBean's or, you know, orchids in our houses. Yeah, I mean, thank goodness we have these people who are absolutely passionate about yes. specific plants. It's unbelievable what they do. It was an absolute revelation to me that there is this category of orchids, Cymbidium, which really can survive in a, in, a, in a modern house if you just, you know, water it with rainwater and give it a bit of food and don't put it in, you know, just put it in a brightish place. And, they're they're uh, just plants. They need, you know, tender, loving care. Tender, loving care, yeah. but it's not so fragile that you can't, you, you know, that, 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 you know, anybody could take one on. And, and um, what Rose's great line was, it's the ultimate sustainable plant or sustainable present because you, then you just put it out in the back of the garden under an apple tree is her recommendation for the summer. And, That's right. And yeah. then, bring it back in and it will it will go again they're, they're quite good around pools too you know because a bit of humidity in the summer doesn't do oh, them, really doesn't do them any harm oh, okay yeah but she has one i think called big tracy is that right there's big tracy which um well now i can't remember you're going to get me how many flowers it had last year sort of 690 or something like that so Don't they think that's unbelievable yes it well it, it's it's on a sort of huge um like an out, large family size um, outdoor t- dining table, and it just fills that <laughs> completely. And when you go into these houses uh, on a nice sunny morning when the cymbidias are in flower, they do have this really remarkable fragrance, don't they? The fragrance is, the fragrance was just amazing, actually. The moment you step into the nursery and you can't quite put your finger on it, and it, it sort of clothes is it vanilla is it it just um absolute very seductive fragrance and, and and if they're cut they last for ages don't they in water well they do again you know weeks and weeks and um and i hadn't i hadn't really because you know how you have these areas that you know about and the areas that you don't know about so you feel very ignorant but when she, um rose armstrong was explaining to me that mcbean's orchids were used in princess diana's wedding bouquet for example and and that would have been a something that would have been the most enduring flower to use for something like a, a wedding bouquet and um i hadn't really realized that you would cut it from a from a house plant, really. I rather gather that uh, all you wanted for Christmas was a cymbidium. Did you get one? Um, well, of course, I bought them for my. I bought three for myself. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not a nursery that you can visit without you know coming away em- empty-handed. You think just one, just one, and then you know just two. But, well, yeah. well, I had just one from beans a long time ago, yeah. and I regret to admit that all I've got now is the ceramic cover oh. that it that it was in. But it was a lovely plant, and we had it for several years. Yes. Know. Well, yeah. there you go. That's my real challenge now, isn't it? To keep it keep it going. So you know, to yeah. dispel all those myths that you can't keep orchids going. But um, no, I'm 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 going to do it. And what are your hopes for your garden in 2017? I would like to plant some more trees. I have just planted, in fact, some 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 trees, and that was my big recommendation really to to everyone is even if you've got quite a small garden to think of planting a tree that is again something that will be incredibly long lasting and 
will not need to take up too much space. And so I have just planted um, a group of three of my favorite crab apple, which is the Malus transitoria. So it's a small tree with clouds of white blossom in May and then tiny yellow pearl-like fruit, um, which are long-lasting, quite sort of elegant spreading branches. Well, what a perfect message that uh, we both should send out. Hey, plant more trees. Plant more trees, yeah. definitely. <laughs> Norm, thank you very much indeed. Great okay. to speak to you. Great to speak to you. Thank you. Just before Christmas, I was very lucky. Uh, uh, I had uh, an invitation from Chaz of uh, Chaz and Dave uh, to visit uh, Chaz's allotment near Stevenage. You know, we see these people and hear them performing. I don't really think of uh, what they do in their free time. And Chaz has been a very enthusiastic allotment here for years. Uh, he has quite a big plot, had some pretty good Brussels sprouts. I hope to have some pictures uh, in our spread in the TV magazine in the sun fairly soon. Uh, and, and a goodish row or two of leeks. He'd had some good runner beans. And he said that uh, when his brain gets a bit uh, fuzzy trying to write a song, then he likes to get on his bike and cycle over to the allotment and just spend a few hours on his own there, digging and cultivating. When I called, uh, he's got a greenhouse that he built February 2016 and a nice comfortable seat in there. And he said that the previous day he was in there and his little friendly Robin came in and sat pretty nearly on his leg. Have you noticed how robins tend to be so much tamer in the winter? Once they get to nesting and with families, then they become quite nervous. But at this time of year, they are really good friends. I was uh, spending an hour or two in Reading on my daughter's allotment, digging away. And you know, it doesn't take long. Just a few minutes turning the soil and you'll see just a swift movement in the corner of your eye. And it'll be the friendly robin there doing its stuff. Now we do get some interesting letters and sometimes they sort of go on a bit. I mean I have this letter here in front of me now which came from Exeter. Dear Mr Seabrook, may I just tell you that my wife and I greatly enjoy your gardening columns and find them of most interest. I'm nearly 90 years of age, I started work in 1904 and after the Great War, spent a few years in men's outfitting. I've had a long, full and active life, and my fifth wife, a mere youngster of 78 years of age, I believe. For many years, I was a member of the Kent Cricket Club, and we still managed to attend the county matches at Canterbury and Folkestone. When I visit my children in Kent, I've been a keen gardener for some 65 years, finding all kinds of things of interest to me in the greenhouse, where I grow everything from tomatoes, cucumbers, to vines and orchids with moderate success. During uh, this cold wintry spell, I decided to read a book about Iceland. I understand that they are able to grow a multitude of greenhouse crops using heat from thermal springs. This apparently enables the Icelanders to go in for bananas. This leads me to my question. Yeah, at last I say it's nearly time we came to the question. This leads me to the question. It is quite a serious question, although it may appear to you slightly ridiculous. I shall be glad to hear your thoughts on whether or not I should be able to grow bananas in Devonshire. The climate is certainly more favourable than that of Kent, 
and I've decided to have a try. Now, don't you think that's fantastic? We've got this uh, 90-year-old man and his fifth wife, and all he's worrying about is whether he can grow bananas. You know, there's hope for us all yet, isn't there? Our thanks again for this week's sponsor, Mr. Fothergill's Seeds from Newmarket, and thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>